I'm Sarah. I'm Shruti. And I'm Grace. And we are the Book Hoes. Uh, today we are going to be talking about our April group read, which was Our Violent Ends by Chloe Gong. Um, but first we are going to talk, we can talk about what we've been reading in the, what has it been, two or three weeks since we last recorded. So Shruti, what have you been reading? Um, so this past week was my spring break. Unfortunately, so like two years ago on my spring break, I read like 20 books in a week. Um, that did not happen this time. So don't worry. Um, my brain was not cooperating with me. I actually remember that. That was crazy. Yes, that was a crazy week. I kind of remember um, that too. Um, however, I did read a good amount. So I think last time I mentioned that I had read a Friends to Lovers book by Rachel Schurig, but then I did I wanted to get into talking about Bridgerton, so I skipped it. So which is probably good because that was our longest episode ever. Um, but more for me by Rachel Schurig. Um, it's part of her Ransom family series. So it's like the kids of a band that she had a series about before. Um, and then this one is about um, Evelyn, I believe, was the girl's name and Brody, which is the guy's name. I feel like that's not right. But what it was really important, I did want to point out, is that the male character is a Desi hero. So he is, um, I believe he is Indian. And he's just like, would hap- he's like happy to take care of everybody else. He's always like taking care of his mom and he's like some family issue going on. And he always pretends to be super happy. Um, and that's like my character type. And then he's like super sarcastic and fun and everyone loves him. And I'm like, yes, this is, this is my man. Um, it was friends to lovers. So like he fell for her first and he has like had a crush on her. Um, things happen. There's a little bit of jealousy stuff going on. Um, she really likes it when he rolls up his sleeves, you know, some great, great stuff there. Um, so I just really loved everything about it. I gave it five stars and would highly recommend to anybody who wants like a just fun, good friends to lovers. Um, also really loved it because the hero who's like the laid back person, like in the streets, but then he's like bossy in bed. And like, that's, that's always God tier for me. It is a fade to black. Cause there is actually no, um, sex scenes on the page. So if that's something you're interested in that the whole series is like that, it's like pretty, like there's chemistry and there's like sexiness to it, but it's not like anything smutty, I would say. Um, then I was weirdly in my Sophie Lark era. So for those of you um, have not heard of Sophie Lark before, she is a pretty popular mafia um, romance writer currently. Um, I have not read her Kingmaker series, which is I think the current one that's out that's like super popular right now. Um, but I did go back and I read one of her other ones. Um, and so I read Broken, Broken Vow, which is apparently one of her more, more popular ones. But I only gave this three stars. I didn't really like it as much. Um, it was like a bodyguard romance. Um, she, the heroine was like an ice queen who's part of like the mafia family and then, but someone's like threatening her life. So they hire like one of her friends knows this guy who can be a bodyguard for him, bodyguard for her. Um, but he's also, also a cowboy and like somewhere like midway through the book, they like transfer into the country to like go to his family home and stuff. And I just not, I'm not into cowboy heroes, I guess. Maybe that's what it is. Um, it is very spicy. Um, there was a great scene, you know, when they 69 by the river, you know, that was, that was great. Um, but I really enjoyed the first half more than the second half. So I think it was like, and I also think that there's a lot of like the woman who has control of like her entire life, but needs to give up control in her bedroom trope going on here. And I'm like that I can be okay with that at times, but this one didn't work for me. So this was a three stars. It was fine, but I think it is one of her more popular books actually in the series. Um, then I read Heavy Crown by Sophie Lark, which is the next book in that series. And this one was like a falling for the mark romance. So like the heroine is trying to like get with the hero, but like she's actually part of a rival family and is trying to like trap him into like this thing. Um, it's very angsty because of that. Um, it's also very spicy. Um, and I think I really like this one because the hero was more of my type. Um, plot was really good. 
I did really love this one. So like this one, I finished pretty quickly. So I gave that one five stars. Actually, I really liked that one. Um, then I took a break from the mafia and I went and read another Tegan Hunter book because she has another hockey romance out. Um, this was an accidental pregnancy book, which I know is, can be hit or miss for people, but I really loved it. Um, they have a um, one night stand at the, you know, teammate and sister's wedding. And, um, you know, there's, this, there's not as much sex. I think it's more quieter sex scenes. The, there's like the, they actually don't even get to see the one at the beginning. Um, but it was just really good. It was just um, some cameos from our previous characters. It's, it just, I love Tegan Hunter. I love the series. It just made me happy. Um, so I really liked this one. I love that romance in it as well. Yeah. Then I read a trilogy by Ali Martinez. Um, and if you know anything about Ali Martin, I mean, Ali Martinez and her books, they're very angsty. Um, this one was, um, there's a connection at first sight. Basically, and there's a lot of like, there's content warnings for like depression and suicide and stuff like that. And there's like shared trauma stuff going on. It is spicy. Ali Martinez has a way with plot twists. I've read enough of her books to kind of like anticipate, okay, there's a plot twist coming here and like something's going to be connected to somebody else. Um, that The first book, which I rated five stars, I did not anticipate that plot twist. Like I knew there was a plot twist coming, but I did not anticipate it was that. Um, so I was very excited for it. Um, basically for the premise for the trilogy is there's a man and he's on an airplane and the entire plane like like crashes on uh, when they land. So he loses, his fiance dies, who he's with. And then there are like only a couple other survivors in the plane crash. And so like a couple months later, he's at like a, they're going to get like um, compensated, right? Like the settlement. And that's where he runs into the heroine who was also on the plane crash. So they meet and things, you know, and they fall in love and things happen there. But there's a major plot twist. Um, also part of what's going on is um, his, ex, you know, the fiance who dies, like her past and like what they were dealing with. And that entire stuff happens. Um, so the first book, I gave five stars. The second book, obviously, I can't tell you what happens without giving spoilers, but it's about like some of the fallout from the plot twist from the first book. Gave that one four stars because the big plot twist at the end of that one, I pretty much saw coming. Um, I actually predicted it in the first book, but with the wrong character. And so that was fun. And then the third book also gave five stars, dealing with the plot twist from the second book, but then also like, you know, getting the couple to be happy and in love and figuring out all their issues. And I just really love her. I really love Ali Martinez because her romances always feel really epic. And yes, there's a lot of heart-wrenching like drama and angst, but like it's always focused on the romance and I really enjoy it. So if that's something you're into, it is a trilogy, but they're very short. I finished the entire thing in a day. So definitely worth the reading if that's something you're into. Um, yeah, um, I read one more. I finished one more, but then I started some other ones. Um, Alessa, uh, sorry, Alessandra Torre who I think also goes by A. Torre and has read some horror books. So I don't know if either of you have heard about her. And like, I think those are pretty like popular somewhere. But um, her, that's like her horror name, but her like romance name is Alessandra Torre. Um, and I read her Love and Lingerie uh, book and it's given four out of five stars. It's a co-worker's friend to lovers, forbidden situation. There's a lot of je jealousy, like other woman, other man, like double dating kind of situations going on. It's very spicy. Um, basically the couple works together as a, to work, make lingerie together. Um, which of course leads to some like great, like, you know, lingerie stuff, which is wonderful. And their banter was really great. So I did like that one. I gave it four stars. Um, but yeah, no, I think of the stuff I read, I, I had a pretty good reading week, but then, oh yes. So then other things I did, I did DNF a book though. Um, I read a book and I don't remember where it went. I started a book and I was like, oh, this, I think I heard about this on a different podcast. I want to say Faded Mates. Um, like Lovers Do by Tracy uh, Livestay. 
I think the writing style just didn't work for me. Um, it was supposed to be fake dating with like friends, like friends to lovers, fake dating. But the writing style, I only read like a couple chapters and I just could not get through it. So I went ahead and DNF that. Um, I did also start A Lady by Midnight by Tessa Dare, which is the next book in the Spindle Cove series, which we read the second one, Week to be Wicked, as our group read last month. I started that next book. I got about 25% of the way in. It's not bad. I just wasn't, I don't think I was in the mood and headspace for it. So I stopped and put it aside, but I will come back to it and finish it. Um, I think I got accidentally spoiled to like the major plot twist. So I don't know if that's the, that's probably also the reason why I need to put it aside right now. Um, and then I read 60% of Collided by Lauren Asher yesterday. I didn't get a chance to finish it today. Um, this is her second book in her Dirty Air series, which is about F1 racers. Um, and this was weird because it's supposed to be, so there's an age gap a little bit, but they're like friends and then they're supposed to become friends with benefits because basically she makes a naughty list and he's supposed to help her, you know, like cross off things on her bucket list. And, but like, I'm like 50% of, they don't, so they don't, but they're not, it's not really friends to, with benefits. And then there's like a lot of like them being like, oh, I, but I'm never going to fall. He's like, I'm never going to fall in love because trauma. And she's like, I'm not going to fall in love because he's not going to fall in love. And it was, you know, it's one of those romances that get very frustrating because like if they just communicated with each other, there wouldn't be a book, which normally I can deal with. But this book is like dragging a bit. And I also think the writing is not super great. And so that's part of the problem. Um, so, yeah, I'm reading it. I will finish it. But it's, you know, not the greatest thing I've ever read. Um, it's entertaining enough, but there are other things that I want to kind of get through this so I can read those things instead. But yeah, that's what I have been reading. Obviously, I've also read Our Violent Ends by Chloe Gong, which we will discuss in a bit. But yeah, that's what I've been reading. Um, Grace, what have you been reading? I have not been reading much. I did read Our Violent Ends. We will discuss that. Um, the other two books I read because I had to read something for class. So the first book I read was Lakewood by Megan Giddings, which is a horror novel, but it's like really atmospheric. It feels like one of those artsy horror movies that I would watch and then I would have to Google afterwards because I didn't understand anything that happened. It feels like that, but in a book. So um, Midsummer. Yes, but mid it didn't make me want to throw up and kill myself. So that's good. That's I still did not like it. I gave it three stars, but it's about... So there, it's about um, this main character. She's black. Um, her mom has um, a chronic illness and her grandma, who was like kind of the supporter, like who she's she's in, she's college age. But like her grandma kind of raised her because her mom just couldn't um, and her grandma dies. And so now the main character, Lena, is like going to be the sole financial supporter of her and her mom. And so she's really broke because she's still in college. So she gets this letter from like um a mysterious study like asking her to be one of the participants and she doesn't really know what who's running it or what the study is but they're going to pay her a lot of money so she signs up for it and um it's basically like about like generational like black trauma about how a bunch of like scientific studies would use like black people for this really like unethical stuff and um it was really bad, but it's in a horror novel. So it sounded really good. It just kind of wasn't, it was really weird. It was really, really weird and really bizarre. Like the writing, it was just weird stuff, just weird stuff happening the whole time. And I was really into it at first. Cause I was like, I want to know what's happening. Like, what is the study? And then, I mean, I guess, spoiler alert, you never really find out. Um, 
you got a lot of questions and they don't get answered. And then the ending felt really rushed. And it was, it was weird. It was really, really weird. I can't say I would recommend it. It wasn't horrible or anything, but it wasn't good. But someone else might would like it. Someone else might would like it. If you like really slow atmospheric horror novels, then maybe you would like it, but I did not. So there's that. Um, and then I also read Tiny Habits by B.J. Fogg, which is a self-help book. I don't know if I have ever read a self-help book before, um, so I don't really have that much to say about it. It was a book about how you can make tiny habits to change your life and how it's better than like taking on really big habits because it's less overwhelming. And like, so like, you know, like doing a, a squat after you make coffee in the morning, like just one, instead of like going to the gym after you make coffee in the morning. Yeah, yeah, it was good. Uh, I started flossing regularly because of it. So, so I, I think that's a good review. I think that's a good review for the book. Um, that, yeah, shows yes, change. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and that's it actually. Uh, that's all. Sarah, what have you read in the past, however long it's been since we last recorded? Um, also not too much. Um, I mean, I did read the entirety of Our Violent Ends, which is our yes. group read. Yes. So we'll talk about that. Was that was a long book. Yeah, it was. That was a long book. Yes. I ended up doing the audiobook for most of it because um, I've been busy this week. I just had to like listen to it in the car while I was at work and stuff. Um, I'll, yeah, we'll talk more. We'll talk more about it. But um, I also did make some hefty progress on Dance of Thieves by Mary Pearson. I think I finally hit the sweet spot. It's getting really, really good. I love the characters. Like Shruti said, Shruti made some points. Um, the characters are really great. And now that I'm more adjusted to like the world and everything, I actually really like it. Um, it definitely was extremely confusing and difficult to get into yeah. in the, for the first like 100 pages or so. But once you hit that spot, then like, the enemies to lovers to enemies to reluctant like it, it really hits it's really it's it's hitting really good so um I did have to put that aside to finish our violent ends but um but yeah it's uh I'm making progress on it I am moving right along I've been reading it for like a month maybe someday I will finish hopefully hopefully by the next episode I will finish that one um I also did finish the audiobook of the Paris apartment by Lucy Foley, which I've also been reading for like a month. Um, that one I did not love. I think I only gave it two stars. Um, Lucy Foley also wrote the guest list, which I read last year on um, the guest list. I really loved the plot and the pacing and the story hated the characters, but loved all other aspects of it. It was a really enjoyable read the Paris apartment. Um, didn't have any of that. It, all it had was a really cool premise and a really cool setting. It's about, um, this young woman who lives in lived in London, but she some a series of events occurred where she basically lost everything and she's moving to Paris to move in with her brother temporarily to get back on her feet. And she arrives in Paris and her brother lives in this really fancy, like rich people apartment building. And she gets there and he's missing. She doesn't know what happened to him. And uh, the other occupants of the apartment building have like mysterious, you know, pasts and stuff like that. And she's trying to figure out um, what happened. So really cool premise, really cool vibes, really cool setting, but the execution was not good. It was very, I don't know if it's because I took so damn long to read it, but it felt very slow. Um, I ended up hating all of the characters. 
it just the plot just took forever to move along and when it did I wasn't really like wowed by any of the plot twists like I didn't it's nothing that I like predicted but everything happened I was just kind of like okay and then there was also kind of weird like um representation of human trafficking which was portrayed kind of weirdly um if anyone else has read it let me know because I'd like to hear your thoughts on that aspect of I can't really say without spoiling but it was just it just kind of rubbed me the wrong way um as yeah so um but yeah it was okay I think I gave it two stars I don't really recommend it if you're looking for like a good like fast-paced thriller but it is definitely slow and the vibes are cool so I can see I guess why some people liked it why it's so popular um but yeah that's all I've read like I said not too much but before we get into our discussion of our group read we have some very exciting news that we want to talk about Grace do you want to take it away Sure. So the day has finally arrived that we get to talk about um, the Percy Jackson Disney Plus casting, because since we last recorded, they casted Percy and he's going to be played by Walker Scobell, I believe is how it is pronounced. And he is known. He is probably best known for playing the younger version of Ryan Reynolds in The Adam Project, which is a Netflix movie that came out recently with a star-studded cast that I have not seen, but I will watch it at some point. Um, That's the movie where Jennifer Garner and Mark Ruffalo play his parents, right? And it's like 13 going on 30, the sequel? I don't know, but I do think they are together in it. So yes. Okay, yes. I guess they're his parents. I, I don't know that part, but they are a couple, yeah. Mm, okay. I think Zoe Saldana is in it too. Oh, okay. So, you know, a great time. Probably. I don't know. I haven't haven't watched it. Um, But yeah, he was cast. Um, What are our thoughts on that? If we have any. I I, I have not read, as the person who has not read any Percy Jackson, um, I thought he was like, I was like, oh, that's a cute kid. I'm sure he'll do well. Um, I did enjoy, so there's a lot of interviews out there with him, like reciting Deadpool, basically, Mm -hmm. because he was playing the mini Ryan Reynolds. And I thought that was really funny. And um, if that he brings, it, it just it seems like what I know from about Percy Jackson. Like I was like, oh, that seems right. So I I thought it was cute. Yeah, I mean, as someone who has read and loved Percy Jackson for many years, I also say, cool. Yeah, seems like a cute kid. Like I don't, I haven't seen him in anything. I really like. I mean, judging castings and book to movie adaptations is hard when you don't really know the actors that well. But like he mm-hmm. seems, you know, I'm sure he'll do a good job. I think it'll be good. Um, I'm definitely interested to see like the rest of the cast. It's going to be really yeah. cool to see it come to life, especially because Rick Riordan is so heavily involved mm-hmm. with this adaptation, unlike the uh, the previous movies we've gotten. So it'll be really cool to see how it all comes together. I'm just really excited to see it all come to life. Me too, me too. And I do hope, I think he has really good, I've also seen the interviews. He curses a lot in the interviews that I've seen. The kids? Which is funny. Yes. Yeah, have you not seen these? No. Sarah, you gotta watch oh, them. We, so, like, we will like, send you, we will he send you links. Has, okay. He has the Deadpool 2 script, like, memorized. And obviously that's, like, riddled Radar. with curse right, words. Right. So he's just, like, sitting there, like, saying, like, motherfucker. And, like, it's <laughs> okay. so funny. Like, Wait, in every interview he's in. You've got to, well, I'll find it and I'll send it to you. There's yeah, also please like a, send it to me. That sounds hysterical. Okay. There's also Maybe like a, be craft, a good Percy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's also like a Kraft mac and cheese commercial that he's in where he's also just cursing the whole time. And in a Kraft mac and cheese commercial? Uh-huh. I don't know okay. if it's real or if I need to look movie. this up. 
Okay, yeah, I need to look this up because um, okay, knowing that that he can have that like deadpan, like kind of sarcastic thing yes, going yeah. on, then I think yeah. he'll be good for Percy. Okay, yeah, yeah. cool. I was gonna say because I was like, I don't know anything about this kid. Like I know, but that's that sounds like Percy. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I think he has good energy for it. I'm also interested to see who they will reveal for the other characters, specifically Annabeth and Grover. And I yes. hope they are played by people that aren't white, but we will see. That would be Me nice. Too. Yeah. But I'm sure we'll talk about that when that happens. Um, yes. So yeah, stay tuned. Stay tuned. Stay tuned for mm-hmm. Percy Jackson updates one week late from us. Yes, yes. Right? yes exactly. Two weeks late by the time this comes out. Yeah, that's true. That's okay. <laughs> Honestly, I think we're in our like book adaptation era now because we should be dropping. Mm-hmm. There are We don't know what season three of Bridgerton holds, but there's probably going to be some casting updates soon. Yeah. yeah, Shadow and oh. Bone season two is being filmed yeah. right now. So and I don't, um, yeah. You guys haven't read Conversations with Friends, but that oh, adaptation is yes. coming out next month. That's I'm true. really excited for that. Um, that's, I mean, it's probably my least favorite of the Sally Rooney books I've read, but it was still good. I still enjoyed it. And I think the show is going to be good. I did see the trailer and mm-hmm. I guess it's not really a spoiler because it's in the trailer, but it yeah. has like a cheating trope in it. Oh yeah. So I was like, eh. but it's I still like need to see normal people, so. It's like the whole book is basically like, like affairs, like it's not, (laughs) but the way she writes it, she's kind of like questioning. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it'll translate in the show, but we'll see. That's, that's kind of why it was my least favorite of her books because it's kind of like, eh. but speaking of the show will be good. Speaking of uh, certain tropes and um, adaptations, I'm pretty sure the Daisy Jones adaptation is also sometime this year. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. So I've seen more pictures about that so we got a lot, I have a lot of adaptations that. coming up yeah we do is yeah it, is it vampire academy this year too or did i make that up i think they said think this year initially but they're didn't I they think, stop filming though didn't they wrap i was up gonna filming? say that yeah i think they wrapped it up i think they're they might i don't remember i'll have to ask our friend laura has been tracking like louisa Connolly burnham from oh, house hmm. of anubis she does she's in like i think she's like a small part that wasn't in the books um, so Lara will send me like her posts whenever she posts that she's filming Vampire Academy again. Um, she hasn't been in a while. So I'm guessing, I think they are done. So maybe it'll come out like the end of this year, early next year. In know. my mind, it was supposed to come out this summer. Why did I think that? Well, the news broke last summer. I remember because I was drunk at a vineyard in North Carolina <laughs> on vacation last May when you guys texted me the news. Um so that would make sense, actually, like a year, maybe like the end of the summer. I don't know. I don't know. It's going to be cool. What I network has so. it? Do we know? Peacock. Peacock. Yeah. So it could be over the summer. Yeah. yeah I, I own Peacock now because I wanted to watch um, Marry Me, Marry You, whatever oh, yeah. the movie was. So mm-hmm. I, I'll be able to watch it. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. I have Peacock, too, because that's where like The Office and Parks and Rec are. And I need those shows on or New Girl or something when I'm falling asleep or else I can't fall asleep. So I had no choice. <laughs> so we can, I guess, jump into our discussion of Our Violent Ends by Chloe Gong. So there will definitely be spoilers for the first book, which is These Violent Delights. Um, so if you haven't read that one, go read that and then listen to our episode that we did in December on These Violent Delights and then read Our Violent End. Or you, then you can listen to the beginning of this one if you want. But you might as well just read the book and then just listen to this whole episode. But we'll do, I don't know, should we even do a spoiler-free section since it is 
like, I mean, we can sequel. do like a we can do like a brief. Did we like the sequel or not? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We can do like a brief. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. if you want like a teaser, you can keep listening a little bit, but um, we'll try to keep it as spoiler free as possible in the beginning. But I can't guarantee we won't spoil the first book. So yes. disclaimer: yeah. if you haven't read the first yeah. book and you want to, don't listen to this episode at all. Yeah. Come yeah. back later. Yeah. Listen, just go through that order. The book hose slash code gong cinematic universe. Then you'll be good. Yeah. Okay. So uh, what were your general thoughts on, uh, on our violin ends? I overall enjoyed it. I don't think I enjoyed it as much as the first um, for reasons we will get to later. And most of the reasons behind my thoughts are if you know me as a person and how I feel about endings. So I won't say anything because it's spoilers. And I gave it four stars. I also gave it four stars. Um, I might have liked it more than Shruti did, though, because I give lots of things four stars unless I think it will change the trajectory I give lots of, of things four stars. Well, no, I'm just saying, like, unless it's going to change the trajectory of my life forever, I don't give it five stars. You know what I mean? That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Yeah, I give lots um, of things five stars. So I gave this five yeah. stars. I was going to say the same thing, but I probably liked it more than Grace. But I give a lot of things five stars. So we'll see. We'll see. But I, yeah. I liked it. The thing, it's hard to say if I liked it more than the first one, because I didn't remember this. I actually re-listened to our episode. I told y'all this, but I couldn't remember what happened in that book. So I re-listened to our episode to hear us summarize it. And I was talking about how stressed I was. And I was like, oh yeah, I was stressed when that, when I was reading that. And so I really didn't know what was going on when I was reading it. And I didn't comprehend a lot while I was reading it. So it's hard to say if I liked this one more than that one, because I don't, I mean, I, I was, my brain was not there when I was reading that first book. It was here, it was here for this one, which is good. Um, anyway, I feel like the first book, like the plot with like, yes. the monsters and the vaccine and all that stuff was stronger. Yes. This one was just like, I don't know, I guess it was kind of rehashed. Um, so I, it felt a little more lackluster to me at least. But the relationships were really strong and like the characterization and stuff. You got to see some characters a bit more that you didn't get to see in the first one, which was fun. Um, and so that part I really, really enjoyed. And yeah, I, I enjoyed it a lot. It, it had me shaking, crying, throwing up at several points, um, which we'll get to later, I'm sure. And 10 out of 10, uh, or I guess four out of five, but you know, <laughs> also 10 out of 10, also 10 out of 10. Chloe Gong, um, gave me my rights oh i also want to say while we're here um if you have the barnes and noble exclusive edition there's a short story at the end about benedict and marshall which i did not know i didn't even know i had the exclusive edition but then the i read the acknowledgments and then it says here is a short story because you bought the exclusive edition and i had been thinking the whole time i was like I think I did know I had the exclusive edition. I did know because it has a sticker on the front, but I was like, what is exclusive about this? It looks the same. And then I got it to the end and I realized, and I was very happy. So if you were going to read this book, don't miss out on that exclusive edition. There we go. The end of my review. This has been a PSA from Grace. Yes. Um, yeah. I also really enjoyed it. Um, I kind of feel, I don't know if I liked it more than the first one. I feel like they went together very well. Like yeah. they, they mm-hmm. flowed very smoothly into the other. So I don't really know if I necessarily have a preference for one or the other because they felt like they did honestly, this one didn't feel that different from the first one, which was good. Um, I agree that the storyline with the monster kind of like fell a little bit in this one, um, not to give anything away, but it wasn't, I feel like I kind of forgot about 
the monster at certain points. Like I would go through it and then they would mention it. I'd be like, oh yeah, the monster, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I agree. The relationships in this book were really strong. Um, there, I was also shaking, crying, throwing up at certain parts. Um, it was the, the writing. I mean, I talked about Chloe Gong's writing in the last episode where we discussed this too. Her writing was beautiful as always. Um, yeah, overall, I had a really good time. The, my biggest complaint, I think, well, I have two big complaints, but the second one's a spoiler. So I'll just talk about this. Um, I do not recommend the audiobook. The audiobook, yeah. I only listened to it because I had to. I would not have finished this book in time if I didn't. Um, the voices that the narrator does, especially for the male characters and even some of the female characters too, are just horrendous. I do like, don't, if you can avoid it, don't listen to this on audio. Um, it didn't like ruin it for me or anything or like affect my experience that much, but there were times where I was like, Jesus Christ, what? Stop. Yeah. Her, her, her voice. Yeah. For all the male characters, I think Ben Roma, Roma was the worst. Benedict was was pretty bad too. Uh And then. Rosalind and um Kathleen, Kathleen. also awful yeah awful her voice for, for Kathleen was so bad especially so I, yeah I think I only really heard bad. like the first chapter on the audiobook so I think yeah. that was mostly in Juliet's perspective so I didn't really hear anything right. terrible like her normal talking voice and like Juliet's yeah. voice was fine but like even rest, that started to get on my nerves great. towards the end yeah it wasn't <laughs> great but like the the voices for Roma and Kathleen were the ones that stood out to me as yeah. being like especially bad it was ugh. I do not recommend, but that really has nothing to do with the book itself. But that's my PSA. Um, if you can avoid it, don't listen to the audiobook. And I assume I didn't listen to these violent delights on audio, but I assume that's the same way. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> I, it, it felt worse somehow, though. I think I just mm. forgot how bad it was. Yeah. I was listening to the first one. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it's not great. Yeah. Um, any more non spoiler thoughts? I have one. Sure. Um, so we'll probably talk about this a bit later too, but since Chloe Gong is like tweeted about it and it's on Goodreads and all that, there is a spinoff of yes. this book that is coming yes. out and it's going to be about Rosalind. And I looked at the summary for it after I finished the book because I was scared that the summary would yeah. contain spoilers. It doesn't, fun fact. Um, but I think it's adult rather than young adults. Mm. I don't know for sure. But it's about Rosalind and she is an assassin now and she has to enter a fake marriage with this man and also rosalind is on the asexual spectrum which they mention in the in our violin ends briefly but also chloe gong has tweeted about it Um, she's trans no kathleen Kathleen. wait what i think you're getting rosalind and kathleen mixed up Yes, I am. Sorry, sorry. I thought you said Kathleen. <laughs> yes, it happened okay. to me all the time when I was reading. It. Yeah, me no, too. You're right. okay, continue, yeah. continue. Yes. Anyway, um, this book will own my life whenever it comes out, so I'm excited to read that. It's called Wait. Foul Lady Fortune. Yes, I'm I thought she was doing it. a spinoff on Kathleen. No, she's doing it on no, Rosalind. Rosalind. <laughs> I could have sworn I saw. It. Okay. Anyway, it's fine. It's fine. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm down. I'm down. So it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like it's going to be good. I'm excited for that yes. to come out. Okay, so getting into our more spoiler-filled thoughts, uh, what did you guys think? What do you want to start with? Let's start with the plot first. Because, well, okay, so here's my problem with the plot. There wasn't one? Or, I mean, there was. There was a plot. Um, And there were times where I thought it was really cool. I thought the whole duel thing was really well done. I thought that was really great. Um, I, like, 
did not anticipate how that was going to go, but like I kind of knew something was going to happen, but like, I really liked that. But like overall, especially all the monster stuff, like we mentioned earlier, I just like did not care. Um, the Dimitri stuff did not care. I pretty much called that like pretty early on that. So I, I think, I don't remember if I said this in, in, when we uh, read the first book, but like Rosalind being the spy I kind of had an inkling of, and like, I definitely we did. got that. We yeah. did all say that. Yeah. 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 So we were right. But like, and then when they mentioned that she had a lover, I was like, oh, it's Dimitri. And I was right. So like that whole thing, I was like, I don't, I, I think my problem with this book in general, I, which I did like, if I did, was not invested in the characters as much as I was, I would not care. And I think that was my problem is that yeah, like, I did not, like, I did not, I the mean, plot was that's how I am with every me. book though. So yeah. it wasn't that different for me. I mean, I guess that was, that's true. But, and so like, I really, I really enjoyed the characters. I really enjoyed all of that. But like, there was just, I think for me, cause I'm going into this for the plot because I know this is not a romance novel. And I already know also I'm trying to like, you know, not be invested in certain romances because I know they're going to end in tragedy. So I was like, okay, let's go along for the ride for the plot. But then I just, I don't know. So the plot really, the, and there was too much politics. That was my biggest yes, issue. I Way agree. too much politics, especially knowing that the communists win because we know history. So like, it's just, yeah, that was, I think my biggest issue was that there's way too much politics and not enough monsters. I think I would have liked it better if there were more monsters and less politics. There were a lot of politics. However, I really did enjoy seeing kind of the fall of the gangs, the, what is it? The Scarlet, Mm -hmm. sorry, I'm forgetting the name. The White Flowers. The Scarlet, oh, it's just the Scarlet Gang. I was like, what? Yeah, Scarlet Gang. (laughs) Scarlet Gang. Yeah, just especially from Juliet's perspective, seeing like, how she went from like, she, like she would kill for her gang. She was mm-hmm. there for the Scarlets and her father. She was, and then just kind of seeing how that all unraveled. I enjoyed, I agree the politics between the nationalists and the communists, especially towards the end, it kind of just like muddled things up a little bit. Yeah, like, there was a lot you. going on at the end and I kept getting mm-hmm. confused. I was like, all of this is, I don't want to say it wasn't necessary, but it was kind of like, I don't, I don't know. I, didn't I really... mean, yeah, it was there to make it more chaotic, which yeah. makes sense. But I was like, I just get to know my characters. Like, I think that right. was my thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. like, but I did really think the like the fall of the Scarlet Gang and the White Flowers was really well written, especially just from both of their perspectives and how it kind of, how it impacted their relationships with each other and the way Juliet saw the world, especially. Yeah. I will say the so obviously like Rosalind being um the spy we called that and then when it was revealed that Dimitri was like her lover I was like it wasn't like I called it but I wasn't surprised but I didn't think that part made a lot of sense like it made sense that like if she was gonna have a lover obviously it would be him but I didn't I feel like I didn't really understand like why well because men are trash who use women but like and why did them. she why did she fall in with him? Right. I feel like right. her motivations weren't explained as well as they could have been. And maybe we'll see that in the sequel. But like, I feel mm-hmm. like I just didn't understand that part. Like I, I, I knew what was happening, but I didn't understand why, you know? That's what I was thinking. I was confused about that too. And I'm assuming like, I mean, I just assume when I was listening to it, I'm like, oh, okay, I guess this is setting up for like the, the spinoff. Mm-hmm. But I was confused about that too. Cause it was kind of yeah. like, it wasn't really explained that well. Cause she's yeah, like, I-, I love him, but you didn't like, ever understand why really right Right. yeah I think you I think there's like a bit where Juliet tries to explain it to herself but like again it's from Mm -hmm. Juliet's perspective and not yeah right um, Rosalind's um and so I I want to I just want to also want to talk about how much I love Juliet because she was definitely my favorite character Mm -hmm. in the entire like both books bar none um she's Mm -hmm. definitely like she's not perfect by any stress because there are definitely times where I was like oh my god slow down and just think 
Cause there's times where like, you knew that something was going to happen. And like, Juliet's just like rushing through stuff, which is obviously her character flaw. And like, that's the point. Um, and like Grace mentioned, like when the games were falling apart, it was really nice to see her perspective on like, Oh, that hey, was I'm gonna Sarah. Do- oh, Sarah. Oh my God. I'm not I that drinks either way. <laughs> what Sarah take the credit. I, was <laughs> I was just going to roll with it. <laughs> and like Sarah said, I really liked how they showed her like, like trying to get on her parents good side particularly her dad's good side and then like eventually how she's like stopped caring anymore especially because it was for Roma I think that was my biggest issue with this and I was actually talking to a friend and like when she mentioned it to me I was like oh that's actually a very good point um Juliet basically gives up her entire life for Roma Roma does not give up anything for Juliet like in a way he does but like only because he's about to be killed by other people like I don't know like it was it didn't feel the same weight and that was the other thing is I really felt like in this book Roma did not have as much weight like Juliet obviously was the star and she should be the star. And like, I have no problem with that. But it did feel like Roma was not this, like the next main character in this book, which again, wasn't a huge big of a deal because like all the other characters are awesome too. And like, I loved getting a little bit more Marshall and I loved getting a little bit more of um, Kathleen and Rosalind as well. But it did feel like Roma didn't do anything in this book. <laughs> yeah, Roma, he was kind of just there. And I think right. it's kind of hard for him to stand out because like you said, Juliet, like, She's a really good character. She's like a really strong protagonist too. Like she's well written, like literally 10 out right. of 10. Correct she's me amazing. if I'm wrong, but I think we had a similar conversation in the last book. We were did like, we? Roma's, we love Juliet. She's awesome. But Roma, Roma's yeah, cool, we did. but like Juliet kind of overshadows him. And I think that she definitely does. carried over into this one. Too. I think there's actually a scene where she's like doing something and Roma's just kind of like hanging back and like supporting her. And I was like, yes. And that's where our episode title from the last episode came from was like, she's the girl boss and he's the male wife. And I think I did not have a problem with that in the first book, but I did have a problem with it a little bit in this book, just because of the ending and how they basically sacrifice everything for each other. It did not feel, it felt, I don't know. And of course, if we do not know, I always will have a problem with tragic, sad endings, just because that's how my brain is wired and I hate them. And that's one of the reasons why I hate Romeo and Juliet. But going into this book, obviously I knew, okay, this is a Romeo and Juliet retelling. There's no way they're going to survive, um, but I love them anyway. And so I kept trying to hope. I like was trying not to have any hope, but I had a little bit of hope. And at the end, I'm going to go ahead and say my hope was maintained. And I'm going to take that as a win because of the epilogue. Yeah. Even though. Yeah. You know, we'll talk you about know. that. We'll talk about that. We'll talk um, about it. But I don't know. It just didn't feel like at least in Romeo and Juliet, it felt earned. It did not. I don't know. I, I felt there's something off about. I don't know. I did not feel it from Roma's point of view as to like why I should care. Like. I don't know. I don't know I, what I, exactly what I'm trying to say here, but like it did not feel 100% equal for me. I think it was more like the whole, the city was crumbling around him. Roma's gang, the, the white mm-hmm. flowers were falling apart anyway. They were all going to have to either flee or get murdered. So I th- there wasn't really anything left for him to, to give up. Like he was already running away with her. He already lost everything. And in terms of like the ending, I think you're right. It was meant to feel like very chaotic. Like the whole city was changing like it was their whole world was changing that they grew up in and everything so I think it was meant to feel just like the big I don't know like everything was leading up to like that big ending Mm -hmm. anyway like there's nothing left for them there kind of thing so I do yeah I agree it felt like Roma didn't have anything like he didn't have anything left to give up I don't know like I was trying to think when you were saying that I was like what Mm -hmm. like what you're right like like, other than his like sister but obviously that's like different as well Mm -hmm. yeah but like the Scarlet Gang, they were still in power for the time being, but right. Juliet That's basically true. implied that like they weren't going to have much power anyway. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but the white flowers, they were pretty much like they were done for. Yeah. Yeah. So then I guess the other thing, um, so I think I'll, I'll go ahead and talk about the romance here about Roma and Juliet though. I really love, I think I loved the romances that we got. I do feel like obviously there's a little bit more of it in this book just because they get married. <laughs> like that's a whole, whole part of it. Um, I really love the scene where they're like, um, on like sleeping in two different rooms and they're like touching the wall together. However, mm-hmm. we were robbed of a only one bed. And I, I know. I'm very mad about that. So the second that they were like, first of all, I loved the entire part where like they go into, they're going to look for the vaccine or whatever. Yeah. I loved that entire part because they get on the train and like this Juliet. This romance novels was made up. Like, this it was is what I so everything about it because they're perfect. on the train yes. and Juliet has to protect Roma. Yes. And like he's like confused because he thought that Juliet hated her, and then they kiss. Don't they kiss mm-hmm. during that part too? That yes. was good. That mm-hmm. was good. Stuff. That was good. Yes. Like when on when they're on the train and she like pushes him and shut and yes. closes the door. I saw it in my mind like a movie. I was screaming. Right. Yeah. Like, I like, did too. The door. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That part was. I would love to see this as a movie. But anyway, yeah, I saw that part too. Like and with the monster and everything, mm-hmm. and like yeah, it looks so cool. Like on the train, I saw that part too. I was like, I see it all in my mind. But anyway, mm-hmm. yeah, that part was really good. And then they have to go stay at like um. I don't know what to call it in it's a brothel. Correct. A brothel. It's a brothel. Like a brothel. There we go. Mm-hmm. Um, they have to go stay at a brothel. And but they were like, you know, the train, the train isn't running. We can't go home. I was immediately like, one bed, one bed. And then mm-hmm. there and then there wasn't one. But I did like the part where they were at the brothel and like he pretended like Juliet was his wife. Yeah. 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 And they were <laughs> flirting with him. That was mm, chef's kiss. See, that that's, good. that's why I that's what I think was also disappointing for me is there were some really amazing moments like all that entire bit was amazing and perfect and like there was also some other stuff like at the very beginning where like they're about to like try they're trying to kill each other but they're also like trying not to kiss each other and I'm like this is god tier enemies to lovers to enemies stuff and I'm mm-hmm. like this is great um and I think that was my problem is that cut all, all of that like really great stuff and even the stuff with like Benedict Marshall and them like pining over each other and all of that which we'll get to it was all excellent and amazing. It was just overshadowed by all the politics stuff. And I was like, I don't care. Move. Because that's what I wanted more of that. And then obviously because of all of the chaos and the tragedy and all of the other plot stuff, we didn't get as much of that in the second half of the book as we did in the first. And I think that's where my disappointment was. Obviously, they get married and that scene was really great for me. And I really enjoyed that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I guess I, think- I wouldn't say that I felt like it was overshadowed. But I do think at least in the first book, I was really interested in like the monsters and the bugs and stuff. Mm-hmm. So that when like the romance stuff, obviously I was interested in, but I was also also really interested mm-hmm. in the bugs and stuff. But in this book, instead of the bugs, we had the politics. And mm-hmm. so I wasn't so interested in that. And I was really interested in the romance, but mm-hmm. I it wasn't like it's OK, because either way, I'm interested. It's right. Only, I was only interested in the romance, I guess. Right. I don't, yeah, I don't necessarily feel like it was overshadowed, but I think like there was definitely less in the end, but I think what she was trying to build up to in the end is like the world is in chaos around them, right. but like they have each other. So she's trying to add, like heighten the stakes and it like make the stakes mm-hmm. so much higher for them and everything. Um, I do, you know, I did like, I, like you guys said, I do. I love that scene where they're at the brothel and everything, like mm-hmm. that whole trip on the train, everything, which is so much fun. I do wish we got more of that with them, which obviously like we know, we knew how this was going to end going into it, but yeah. it would have been nice. You know, they, it was just such a fun, um, I guess, sequence that it would have been fun yes. to see more of that with them. I also liked, as Shruti briefly mentioned this, like at the beginning where they're like, 
they have sexual tension, but they're also trying to kill each other. Um, mm-hmm. There's a part where he realizes like Juliet like fixed his wounds yes. or something. Mm-hmm. That was good too. That Wait, was good too. Speaking of wounds, the part where um, she takes the knife for Elisa. Yes. And then he has yeah. to like stitch her up. That was oh I mean, God. the tropes were immaculate. Yeah, they were immaculate. Exactly. Even, okay. I will say one of the best, one of my favorite moments that sticks out to me is actually at the very end. Where he kiss, where she kiss, comes up to like while he's at like tied up and she comes up to him and kisses him and get, passes the vaccine to him. Passes, the yeah, kiss. puts I was the like, vaccine in This his is God tier. I was like, that's what I like. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and I think and even like as we can talk about it now, Marshall and Benedict were amazing as well. Um, mm-hmm. I personally, yes. I think I resonated more with Roma and Juliet just because Juliet was so strong for me that I was like, I want you to be happy and I want you every like you to get everything in your life, which whatever but like I still like Benedict and Marshall and I think I told Grace this while I was reading it um especially the first half when they're separated because obviously Marshall uh Benedict thinks Marshall is dead I I like death trope but this one did not hit for some reason for me so they were just separated too much for me but once they were reunited I was like yes awesome like whenever they were together and like doing that thing and I think I liked them more in the first book just because there was more they were together so they're bickering more versus in this one the parts where I was like, oh my God, yes, screaming, feral crying was like their love confession, Benedict's love confession, which was wonderful. Um, when they're at um, Marshall's dad's house, by the way, which we'll talk about that. Um, but yeah, no, like the first half of it did not hit. Although I did appreciate Marshall, like looking out for Benedict. That was cute. The, yeah. And the part where he goes into, sorry, Grace, I know you have a lot to say. Um, the part where he <laughs> goes into, I'll make this quick, where he goes into his house and he's not there. And then he wakes up the next morning. He's like, yeah. I feel like he was here. I smell that. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He yeah. Was. Um, I feel the exact opposite way. I liked them in the first book, but again, as we know, my brain was mush when I was reading that first book. So I, I really couldn't speak to anything that happened in it this time. My brain was not mush. And so I liked them more because of that and because of what was happening um the death trope was so like I just love the angst the angst was mm-hmm. so good like with Benedict thinking Marshall was dead great a great time for me I, I mean I was I was having a blast I, he was like I'm sad and I was like yes um uh the friends to lovers the bickering they were roommates um the part where what Sarah was talking about where like Marshall like has to take him to his house or whatever mm-hmm. but there's a part and I was so I read like half of this book and then I listened to like half of it I was going in between but I was listening to my audiobook during this part because I was cleaning my kitchen and the part where like Marshall is like I'm glad our positions weren't aren't reversed because like if I had to think you were dead like I would not survive that I like had to stop what I was doing and lose my mind I was like this is it. and it was it was it was good it was, I, it was real good. Yeah, it was. I think I act, I think I like them more in this book too, but only because in the first book for the beginning part of the book, maybe the first like quarter, I didn't know they were going to be main characters. I thought they were just like Roma's irrelevant friends. So I kind of like didn't really pay too much attention to them. But even after I realized they were main characters, I kept getting them mixed up, unfortunately, because I just thought of them as Roma's slightly more relevant friends. And then when I got to that, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. But so in this one, I actually knew who each one was and that they were in fact significant. So I think it, but it, you know, if I was reading the book again, I probably, I probably would enjoy their, their back and forth more in the first one. Yeah. Also, I think, I think Benedict might be my favorite character. I don't know why. I just like the vibes. I know why. It's fun. I could, you know why he's fun and why I also enjoy him? 
He's the only character who was like, can you guys stop trying to self-sacrifice yeah! yourself all the time? Yeah, I, res- that's I, true. I always resonate with that character, right? Like, I, yeah. I appreciated him being like, can everyone stop trying to kill themselves? Like, that was yeah. good. That was great. That was the good. Sense. He's the voice he of the reason. Sense. Yeah. Right. yeah, which is like always that that Benedict, that's always his character, right? Like that, the Benvolio, yeah. whatever. That character is the one who's always the voice of reason. So I do think that was really well done. Yes. Um, actually, I do want to talk about the Shakespeare stuff, but we'll get there in a second. Um, but what I do want to mention is I think for me, the problem I had was I was so invested in Roman Juliet and like trying to not be invested in them. Cause again, we know where that's going that I couldn't bring myself to also be invested in Marshall and Benedict at the same time. So my brain was just like not having it. Um, so they're very cute and I really like them. I don't know. I just, they just weren't hitting for me as much as they, I wanted them to, which is weird because as I think I, again, I talked to Grace about this is they are the friends to lovers, mm-hmm. bickering romance, uh, roommates, one, um, whereas Roman and Juliet are the enemies to lovers. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what was going on with me while reading this, but they were good. I enjoyed them a lot, but yeah. So yeah, no, one of the things I did really like were like all the Shakespeare illusions. There were obviously, I think in the previous book, Marshall talks about like the plague on both your houses, that quote. Um, and then this one, I don't remember, I can't recall all of them, but there were definitely some, a lot of like allusions to Romeo and Juliet and like Julie, the foreshadow. Okay. So this is one thing actually I did kind of bug me. The amount of times Juliet basically mentions that she's going to die was very frustrating because we already know she's going to die. It is a Romeo and Juliet retelling. Stop telling me that. Part of that was me because like I didn't want the reminder because obviously I know that's going to happen. But also it was it was it got a little frustrating for me. Um, I can't think of any of the other top of my head, but I did really like um, the again, we mentioned the duel scene. I really like that as well because that's obviously a direct callback to kind of what happened in Romeo and Juliet. I have not read. Yeah, well, I was going to say, I have not read Romeo and Juliet or seen the movie in literally 10 years. So I probably missed a ton of references that are in there because knowing Chloe Gong, she probably packed in a ton of references. But the duel, I did remember. I was like, aha. Well, so I guess I recall. Right. Technically, well, so technically, I think the scene at the end of the first one, it was supposed to be like the equivalent to like the duel in Act One Mm -hmm. um, in Romeo and Juliet because that's where Tybalt and Mercutio both die. Um, which is supposed to be like, and that was like Tyler and Marshall in this one where, and then obviously Marshall has his fake death, but I feel like the duel in this one was like another callback to that because it was like, okay, here's Tyler actually dying. Yeah. Um, but the one thing made me that made me scream and I was so mad because I was like, I know exactly what is happening and I hate it. So obviously in Romeo and Juliet, um, Juliet fakes her death. Romeo doesn't know she fakes her death kills himself and then Juliet wakes up and then kills herself. And that's how Romeo and Juliet ends. If you did not know that, I, I don't know, go read Romeo and Juliet. Spoiler. Spoilers. Spoilers. Not yes. <laughs> Coming at us with the spoilers today. Spoiling. Wait, yeah. Spoiling backstory. a play that was written over like 500 years ago. Yeah. Well, she, Trudy earlier today, which will be like a week ago when this comes out, but she made this like innocent, like vague tweet about romancing Mr. British. Like you didn't really even get into any details. You were you just like, like name the no, you were just like in this, oh, like this book has this themes or whatever. This like mean lady comes into her replies and is like, you should put a spoiler warning here. Some of us aren't reading the books and are waiting for season three. And then, then the second person, wasn't there a second person who's like, yeah. you need to put a spoiler. I'm like, I think the second person was the lady but making another but on a fake account, account. Yeah. yeah i was like i don't understand this tweet doesn't even have spoilers yeah i'm just spoiling everyone today i'm sorry yeah. i'm spoiling seeing a book that came out 20 years ago i'm spoiling a play that was published you know 200 300 years ago and, and is in the public read. domain correct it's fine um i don't remember what i was saying oh yeah so when juliet fakes her death in this book and is like pretending to be dead and then roma finds out and i'm like oh no 
can we not do this? Can we please not do this? And then Benedict is with me and he like stops them. I was very happy when Juliet that part showed up. Had when she me did. sweating. I she was, knew. That was the part. Yeah. I liked- Ooh, knew what she was doing. Oh, yeah. I mean, she knew what oh, she was doing. She I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. That was obviously, I think, the most direct call to Romeo and Juliet, I feel like, from the entire both books. Yeah. Um, but she had us in the first think, half. Well, the problem is she still got us because yeah. they still died. Yeah. I did they? So, okay, so let's talk about it. Yeah. Do we think they died? Mm. First, well, first off, before we get into that, mm-hmm. I want to say I liked the ending a lot, where it's like, come on, we got to go do this and save everyone. Did it. And it was like, like let's, let's go. And like, they were mm-hmm. teaming up. Yeah. And the switching. Yeah. Yes. And then the mar- monsters and lighting them on fire and yes. then all this stuff. And I liked that at the end, they were like, you know, like, this is our city. And like, they're important to each other, but like, the city was also so important to them. So they were willing yeah. to sacrifice themselves mm-hmm. to for the city that they loved. And I liked that. I right. thought that was really, really nice. I really and liked it, it. And it was symbolic too, because both of their gangs, well, the, the White Flowers were basically gone. They're falling apart. And the Scarlet Gang had just morphed into something that um, Juliet didn't even know anymore. So for them, it was about like the people and the city when it came down to it. Like they've been fighting for these gangs their whole lives. So in the end, I liked, I agree with Grace. I liked that it was that. Um, and I hate to say it. I really do. Shruti, don't kill me. Um, I did <laughs> like the ending. I liked it a lot. I think like it's Romeo and Juliet retelling. Like it had to happen. So like she had to do it. So, um, and also I don't necessarily, I don't love it when the characters get killed off, but like, I don't mind it when it's at like the very end of like a book, which when it's being built up to and stuff like that, um, again, I don't necessarily loved it, but I think it worked for this one because it is, you know, Romeo and Juliet retelling. We got that glimmer of hope at the end. And yeah, the I kind of... Well, okay, before we get to that, hold on. Because, so I actually have a problem. Not that they died, but how they died. So my problem is, is that Romeo and Juliet, the whole point of Romeo and Juliet is that they're so selfish and then they keep choosing each other. So that's why they end up dying, right? Because they keep like mistaking each other and they just choose each other all the time. So the problem I had with this was like, throughout the and I think actually Benedict has a line I think at some point in this book about how uh Roma and Julia keep choosing each other and that's going to be like the death of them all or whatever and so I thought that was and like that really bugged me I think my problem was is I wanted them if they were going to die I wanted them to die because they chose each other right I think that was my problem because that's the whole point of Romeo and Juliet is that they die because they choose each other over everybody else but it's like a retelling which is like an interpretation Right, right, right. Which is, and I totally, and I totally respect Chloe Gong's issue with that, with our, her interpretation of that. I guess for me personally, it would have hit at it better if they had died because they chose each other, however that was going to happen. Um, and instead they chose the like right option, which I totally get. And I to- it makes sense for their characters, I think, to, to have done that. And I think that's fine. I just, I don't know. I just like, it did not sit well. I don't know. It didn't work for me that they did not, if they were going to die, that they didn't die because they chose each other. It also didn't work that if they had chosen each other and chose to be selfish for once, because I kind of think that they weren't really that selfish all that much, um, especially Juliet, um, that if they had finally been selfish, other than killing Tyler. I, I yeah, I was going to say. That one was, that was a selfish one. But I will say, like, other than killing Tyler to save Roma, like, she really has not been that selfish. She's really been doing everything for her gang and her family. And I was like, why don't you just pick yourself and Roma for once? Let's do it. And then they would have survived. I think that's the other thing for me is, like, sometimes you got to, pick yourself and they didn't and I, I I can respect it I guess I don't know I just didn't like that part of it so that was I think that's also why the death did not sit as well with me as like again 
I'm never going to like a character death. And so like, I'm always going to be not probably not happy with it, but I think I would have been more okay with it if they had died because they had chosen each other in some way. I kind of liked, I was just, sorry. I was just going to say, I kind of liked the idea that the only thing that was more important to them than each other, like that they were always going to choose each other, but the only thing that was more important was the city. And that was the one time they could be selfish. I thought that was a nice idea. Right. And I think yeah. it's it's like you said, in the original Romeo and Juliet, they choose each other over everything else. And I think she intentionally made it so that they like, you know, sacrifice themselves for the city instead of like being not I don't want to say they would have been selfish for leaving, but like choosing, you know, and choosing themselves. Choosing themselves. Yeah. 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 yeah, I think yeah. it just wouldn't have made sense with their characters, like you were saying, too, because like yeah. Juliet's been fighting. Like I said, she's been fighting like for the gang her whole life and everything. So for her to just be able to walk away that easy, it just it wouldn't have made the most sense to me. Yeah. I think- I think I, the, I think I finally remember. So there was like a line in that when she's making when Juliet is making that decision, which, by the way, again, it's all from Juliet's point of view, which, again, I don't mind because, again, Juliet is the main character and she's the best character. But like Roma really doesn't get any point, any like say in any of this, which is fine. It's whatever. But I just putting that out there. Um, he's just along for the ride. Um, Juliet has a line, right, where she's basically saying like they could run away or they can stay and fight. And so obviously they decide to stay and fight. And that's obviously posed as like the better option. And I'm like running away isn't like you not fighting it's just you fighting for your life i don't know i think that whole like framing just didn't work for me but it's fine it's fine um i i didn't like that they were like that in romeo and juliet i personally would never die for a man Um, that's very valid of you so i'm okay i'm okay with the change i get i I get what you're saying about how it's not accurate to the original story it's not even accurate to the original story i just didn't I think the I think the issue is I'm seeing it from a romance point of view rather than a I don't know what the other point of view would be but like from a romance point of view in a romance if this was a well obviously if it's a romance novel have a happy ending but if it was a romance novel with a non-happy ending they would have chosen each other and that's why they died versus if this was just whatever what what this was which is a YA fantasy novel then they would have done the right thing which they did and I don't blame them for that I just didn't like it. Well, I guess we'll just have it, to agree to disagree. Yeah, <laughs> I guess so. Yep, exactly. I mean, it's fine. speaking of it being a YA fantasy novel, I think she incorporated the themes of like, I guess their youth into the story really well. I don't know if I'm phrasing that correctly, so let me explain. But like, there were a lot of parts where um, I don't want to say, I mean, I think they're like, how old are they? Like 17 or 18 in this? So they're like Something basically like that, adults, yeah. but like they're still young. So when I say the like adults, I mean like her parents um like the adults there were parts where the adults would say like oh we have to do it this way like there's no other Mm -hmm. way and she Juliet was always like no we have to do it like we can go about it this way and I think that like I guess the idea that I don't know something I've just I don't know it's a theme in a lot of YA novels and also it's brought up a lot in life where like I've been in workplace situations where like certain people like, oh, I don't know, or like, oh, we have to do it this way or whatever, Mm because they've been working there a long time or something where someone who's like new, not even like younger, but like newer is like, I don't know. I'm not a fresh perspective. No, you're, no, you're, I get it. I I feel like she did a really good job of emphasizing that from all Mm -hmm. sides that like the people who have been in the gang for a long time, like her parents were always, were like, no, we have to do it this way. You have to do it for the Scarlets. Whereas Juliet kind of came at it from a different angle. And I just, I don't know. I, I don't really have anything to say about that, except I like that. It was, I, I definitely yeah. noticed as like a continuing theme throughout the book and kind of what drove the knife between Juliet and the rest of the Scarlets. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. 
Um, I, I cut off Sarah earlier when she wanted to talk about the epilogue. So we can talk about the epilogue now. I just remembered Shruti brought it up. Marshall's dad at some point. Oh, yeah, we can talk about that after the epilogue. Yeah. Okay. Well, we want to talk about that first. I don't have any thoughts on it, but you brought it up. I don't either. <laughs> I have no thoughts. I just thought it was a cool plot twist. It is like, a cool I plot twist. I didn't really yeah. understand. I didn't understand it. I didn't know who that was. There so, that was the so, okay, actually, so let's talk about that for a second. Okay. So one of the things I brought up earlier was that Marshall's dad turns out to be the general from the Nationalist Army. And I thought it was a cool plot twist. Like, I thought that was like an interesting thing. But the problem I did have with it was that it really didn't matter. Um, like, it made, like, there was more plot things happening because, like, Benedict had to go rescue Marshall from whatever was happening. But, like, unless there's a spinoff for Benedict and Marshall, which I would read, um, which I don't think would happen. There's a they short just, story. There's, but but that was from it before. takes place before. There's also, by the way, a though. short story of Roma and Juliet um, from when they first fall in love. Apparently, it's a Christmas one, and it's very cute. So I will be I reading that. that in December. Yeah. Um, but they moved to, I mean, in the epilogue, you find out they moved to Russia together and, like, settled down and were domestic, which is great so for them. True. Um, but I didn't, I was like, the, other than for have that one plot twist, it really didn't matter. Like, I don't know. So I thought that was interesting. Like, I was like, I don't know why this is here other than to make more drama and like have that plot twist in there, but it was fine. Yeah, I was, I'll be honest. I'll be honest. When they were like the nationalists and the communists, I, 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 I was like, well, it's time for <laughs> the to politics was too much. I had no, no I idea what was going on. I was like, I don't Honestly, know what, do I know this man? Am I supposed to know this name? No. There was like, one. I think there's the one. Yeah. There were a couple names that I was like, oh, I think I know this. But no, I think my thing was, and again, I don't want to go back to this, but I would have rather there had been less politics and more of the, the them just working together and doing things and like fighting monsters, but whatever. whatever I like it's monsters. Fine. Yeah. But you know, again, I'm a found family person. Like I'm a found family hoe first person second. It's fine. Okay. So we never actually answered this question, but in the epilogue, do we think they're alive? So part of me is like, they, like, um, Elisa said that they didn't find any of their bodies or anything. Mm-hmm. So part of me is like, perhaps and they use that as a way to escape but the other part of me is like would they have left elisa would roma have left elisa if he thought it would keep her safe i think he would that's true like if, and if, if he she, thought that benedict and marshall were going to take care of her that's true yeah and if he thought that if she knew he was alive that would put her in danger then mm-hmm. he would mm-hmm. right so obviously i want to believe that they are alive because that is who i am um, and so, so Alyssa having hope in the end was me, <laughs> the entire epilogue of her being like, I don't want them to be dead. I wish that they were alive. Oh, wait, look, there might be alive. That was me. That was literally just me the entire time. So I was like, I feel seen. Um, the one thing I will put out the one hesitation I have is like, I can't figure out why they would want to fake their deaths. Like, who cares? I mean, I guess for, I guess Juliet's parents would care, but like, and I guess obviously the unintended unintended consequence that was nice was like they had like this story that they could not tell and like they were now legends or whatever. Yeah. Um, but like in the moment, why would Juliet and Roma be like, oh, let's pretend to be dead right now and not go in you know, again, like Sarah mentioned, and not go and tell all over the people that we love that we are actually alive. So that's the I one thing like, that makes me hesitate. But I feel like if that is what happened, they probably thought about it first. Like, I don't think it was a spur of the moment decision. Right. Like, they probably right. like, were like, let's go tell everyone. And then they started thinking about it. And they're like, actually, let's not do that. Yeah. Like, it was probably yeah. premeditated. Like, there was an yeah. off page, I guess, 
scene mm-hmm. where they discussed it. That's the only way that I would believe it. I I don't know. I liked the open-endedness of it mm-hmm. a lot. I did actually. too. I did um, too. I you know yeah. I, I liked being able to come up with my own theory. I don't know. I would, I have no beef um, if they're alive, but I kind of I kind of I kind of want. I, <laughs> I kind of want them to be dead. Is it's that kind of like, it's no. like, well, actually, you know, the Raven cycle, Grace, you know what I'm talking about when I say that. I don't want to spoil it for Shruti. I mean, we're going to read the Raven cycle. The ending. Fine. Oh, you're never going to read it? Well, so well, the, entirety, the entirety of the Raven cycle, like Gansy's going to die or like Blue, you're going to kill whoever you kiss. You're going to kill whoever you kiss. You will murder them in cold blood. Um, and then that doesn't necessarily happen in the last book in the way that it was said to be happening yeah 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 I was <laughs> you know what I mean yeah yeah I think so yeah <laughs> so it's kind of like that where you like it, it would be a similar situation if like this is a Romeo and Juliet retelling it is like ingrained in this story it is a Romeo and mm-hmm. Juliet retelling so if they're not dead I mean it is its own spin on it so then that would be okay but it's also kind of like hmm, we were you know we were led up to this but I would I obviously th- not be upset if they were right. alive. That would be awesome. See, this is the thing. I think if they had, and this goes back to my issue with the ending, if they had died because they had chosen each other, I would have been fine with them being staying dead, right? Because they made that selfish quote unquote choice. So like, and then, so then they died for it. Fine. But because they yeah. chose to sacrifice themselves for the entire city, I'm like, no, I want them to be alive. <laughs> and I think that's the, I think that's where it comes down to, that's what it comes down to for me. So I'm like, I'm choosing to believe they're alive. I if I cared more about this idea i don't care that much about it i, I enjoyed okay. i enjoyed open-ended open-ended ending if i cared more about like things that i would be like well that diminishes the weight of their sacrifice by them still living through it but because i don't care i'm okay with it yeah same That's i like so the valid ending. i was yeah. i was happy that she kind of left it like that i do like that i do like that she left it open-ended yeah, yeah. um so one last thing I wanted to mention was I love Kathleen, um, who then become who takes over her name originally, her Celia name. Um, I love her a lot. And I love the idea that her and Alyssa are like going to be BFFs now and like be besties mm-hmm. running around. Also, was 100% sure, and maybe one of you can clarify this. Why does her sister not recognize her? Did they never actually meet? I think they met in passing, but because she goes by a different name now, she, she probably just click. isn't putting two together. Into, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what um, I figured, but yeah. I kind of wondered that too. But um, I think, yeah, I don't know. I Unfortunately, I really do like Kathleen as a character and I liked following her in the beginning, but it, I she did didn't do get, a lot. Yeah. yeah. And I did kind of get lost in the end because like we were saying, like the politics the parts, stuff, I was yeah. kind of just like, we're going to get through this. But I do, it was an interesting twist for her character. Her character, I wouldn't say she didn't do anything necessarily. She didn't do anything relevant to like the plot that we, the three of right. us care about mm-hmm. most. But she did still, it was kind of a cool, it was kind of a neat twist. That said the, something, yeah. The part, the whole part, the way that whole part was written where like she reclaims her old name was so mm-hmm. badass. Like it was yeah, like, that was yeah. wonderful. it, yeah. was, like, it mm-hmm. went from like someone, like another character spoke some dialogue to her and then it used like the pronoun like she instead of any names. Mm-hmm. And then the last line was like, Celia did this. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hell yeah, she did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was good. And I do hope she's in the spinoff with Rosal with Rosalind yes. because they are the sis- sister sisters. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and I'm I hoping that Alyssa shows up too. Like those three being a trio, mm-hmm. I'm for that. That like, would be yeah, fun. Let's do that. That would yeah. be awesome. Maybe an off-screen 
Benedict and Marshall reference, you know? I mean, it's still Alyssa's cousin. Yeah, Benedict yeah. is their cousin. I mean, I think that was my thing was like, I'm happy. Benedict and Marshall obviously have each other and they're off in Russia being happy together. And so I, in my mind, and we have Celia and Alyssa are together. So like if Rosalind's there, then she better be with her sister and, um, and all three of them be happy together. Yeah. yeah. So we'll see. So we also got an email from Kalena and it is about some regent regency stuff we've been talking about in the past few weeks with Bridgerton and with our group read. And so we're going to read some of it. And the email is titled Badass Regency Women, Bridgerton, Tessa Dare, and the Real Life Influences. Um, so in the email, Kalana says the storyline for Lady Featherington in Bridgerton season two um, is homage to femme fatale novels from the Regency era written by women, including The Widow by May- Mary Robinson, Delphine by Madame de Stile, and Lady Susan by our bestie, Jane Austen. Um, and she also says that she was excited to hear how much we liked how much the heroine in A Week to Be Wicked loved rocks. Um, and apparently that character was based off of a real Regency era noblewoman, Georgiana, who was, oh. du- who was Duchess of Devonshire. And That's was, cool. I know. Um she was the queen of fashion. Everyone followed her lead. She wrote music and plays. She was politically active. She had a lot of parties. Um, and she led noble women in taking to the streets and handing out pamphlets um, to support like important causes. And because she did that, she and the fellow noble ladies who did that were called whores um, for having mm. opinions. Oh, no. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, after they did this, women would not take to the streets to be involved in politics again for almost 100 years. Um, she was also really good friends to the Prince of Wales, and she helped advise him during his time as regent. Um, and um, she says, I hope her political endeavors inspire the British and writers for Eloise in future seasons. That would be cool. Mm, that would be cool. Um, <laughs> that would be cool. <laughs> Shreedy's like, I don't believe you, but okay. Georgiana had an affair with a younger man later in life and got pregnant by him, which caused her husband to exile her temporarily, even though he had his own mistresses, obviously. Um, It was during this exile that she went to Europe and befriended a group of geologists who she got to allow them. She got them to allow her into their all male science club and they got them to. (sighs) I can't read. And gained their respect as an amateur scientist. When her husband allowed her to return home, um, she continued geology as a hobby until she died. Her extensive rock collection is displayed in a long hallway from floor to ceiling in her country estate of Chatsworth, which has been used to film many period pieces. The most famous is probably being used as Pemberley in the 2005 version of Pride and Prejudice. Um, wow. Oh, and also Georgiana is great aunt, many times over, to Princess Diana. Hmm. Um, and then Kalina says she got to visit Chatsworth and see the rock collection in person. And um, there is a biography of Georgiana called Duchess of Devonshire, or it's called Georgiana, Duchess of Devonshire, and it's by Amanda Foreman. Um, and she says she really recommends it. There's also a movie based on it with Kira Knightley called the Duchess. Nice. Um, but she likes the book better. And that's usually how it goes. As you should. Yeah. 
She says, thank you for all your book talks and recs. I found so many good books through the pod. Currently, I started reading Bloodlines by Rochelle Mead due to your recommendation. Yes, a legend, <laughs> an icon, as yes. you should. Um, let me know. Let us, let us know what you think of it. Unless you don't like it, then you don't have to tell us. <laughs> yeah, you don't have you to tell us. You, <laughs> you can if you want. But if you if you send us your thoughts, you know, always, always open to talk about Bloodlines. I'm so uh-huh. glad I inspired someone to read Bloodlines in the year 2022, me slash Grace. I guess inspired someone. Um, that series, you you're know, leading always... that movement, and I'm your your right yes, hand. Yes, yeah. exactly. I'm leading. I'm the, just here to treat guys. Academy on. bloodlines. <laughs> I'm sure you figured it out by now, but it is a spinoff of the Vampire Academy series. But you don't really. I mean, Rochelle Mead. You know, she's info dumps at the beginning of every chapter. You'll you know it, you'll, you'll figure get it into out. It. Yeah, yeah, it'll make sense. But um, no, that was those are really fun facts. Yeah. I know. I know. Thank you so I much for it. writing that email in. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Clearly, our listeners are much smarter than us. So <laughs> uh-huh. I appreciate that. All those fun facts, especially yeah. about the since we're on a historical romance kind of kick, which I mean, mm-hmm. these violent delights is like historical fantasy. Yes. So kind of yep. even like fits in with that. So that's cool. Absolutely. Yes. Which brings us to our next little topic, which is really just me announcing our group read, um, which is not historical <laughs> as far as I know. <laughs> No, yeah, it's definitely not. Um, yeah, sorry about that. It is a book, though, you know? There you yeah. go. It's on, on theme. On Give theme it up for, for our books. book podcast. Yeah. Um, and our, so our May group, May. Yeah, May. Yes, if we are May. <laughs> I know. So our May group read is picked by me because Sarah picked this month and she picked last month, so it's my turn. It's been a while since I've picked a spooky book which is my brand. So we're going back to the basics. And I picked Horror Hotel by Victoria Fulton and Faith McLaren. It came out earlier this year, maybe like January, February, I want to say. It is a young adult novel. Just and to it clarify, is- it's, it, the title is Horror Hotel. What did I say? Oh. You said it sounded like like I knew what you were saying, but it kind of right. sounded like. I just yeah. wanted to clarify it. H-O-R-R-O-R, Hotel. Yes, that is what it's about. Yes, that's what it's called. Um, it is about a YouTube famous um, ghost hunter gang. Um, and they visit a haunted LA hotel and start filming it after dark. And they expect it to just be like a, an average fun time to get new subscribers. But then they stumble upon something unexpected in the former room of a gruesome serial killer. And I, yes, I am reading the back of the book right now because I have it next to me. Um, so yeah, a fun little book. It's very short. So y'all should read along with us. Um, our episode will air May 23rd. So if you want to read the book along with us and send us your thoughts, you can do that on our Twitter, which is at the book Hose. Or on our Instagram, which is at book Hose Pod. You can also send us an email about that book or any of the books we've talked about ever um, at bookhostpod at gmail.com. Such as Bloodlines. Anyways. Yes. <laughs> or our violin ends. Yeah, or our <laughs> yeah. violin ends. The actual any books, topic of this really. episode. Yes. Um, and definitely you should subscribe to the podcast and leave a rating or write a review and then share the podcast with all of your friends so that way more people can get to listen to us. Thank you all so much for listening. We hope you have a great day. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.